Welcome to The Doctrinal Component with Tom Nettles, brought to you by Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries is a reformed teaching organization committed to the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. For more teaching material by Dr. Nettles, please visit founders.org. Hello, this is Tom Nettles with the next edition of The Doctrinal Component. Uh, in this series, we're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. Uh, we are going to consider in this particular edition the value of a confession of faith. Uh, we see them set forth in Scripture, very short confessions of faith, and it is upon those that sometimes Paul uh, reasons and gives instructions. And so we want to, to look at this because confessions of faith, as we have made them throughout the history of the church, have a great value because they are following a pattern that we find in Scripture. So that indeed is the first reason, the first aspect of the value of a confession of faith, if they follow a biblical pattern of summarized doctrinal points, irreducibly necessary for testing and maintaining the faith. Uh, we mentioned in Matthew 16, in our last section, Matthew 16, 16, where Peter made the confession, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This contains in germ form virtually all the confessions of faith that are presented in Scripture because of who the Christ is, all that is predicted about him as the anointed one who would be prophet and priest and king, uh, that he would be also known as the son of the living God, that is, having the same nature as God and yet a distinct person from the Father. So this confession of faith is fundamental to other confessions of faith, and it is that which Jesus told Peter was revealed to him by the Father. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, John, in seeking to sort out those that did not hold the true faith, those who held to a kind of, of rejection of the true incarnation of Christ, which eventually became known as Gnosticism, John says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus is the Christ come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. We see the similarity of this confession to that which Peter gave in Matthew 16. And John is so insistent upon this that he says that the person who will not confess that the Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. It is a determining truth to confess. It tests the reality and the existence of faith in those who have some opinion about Christ but are not willing to confess that he indeed is the Christ come in the flesh, that Jesus is. Then we see in, in, in Titus 2, 11 through 14, an example of a confession of faith that is uh, uh, descriptive of how the church should look at the relationship between their salvation and the grace of God that has come to them and how this uh, results in a lifestyle that reflects the character and uh, the attributes of God. Here, Peter say, uh, here Paul says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions 
and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous of good works. So again, the grace of God has appeared, that is, in the person of Christ. He comes for salvation. He comes to redeem. He comes to make a people uh, love this redemption because it removes them from the power of sin. It creates godliness uh, in them. And these are a people that are God's own possession. We find also a confession of faith in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, where we have these same elements uh, within it, where the apostle Paul says that he, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So again, we see the grace of God appearing. We see the grace of God is in the person of Jesus Christ, that he is, uh, his appearing was in a reality in which he could experience death and he could abolish death, and that he has brought eter eternal life to light through the gospel. Uh, these aspects of the confession uh, continue to appear in all of these uh, confessional statements in the New Testament. We see one also in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, where the apostle says, The saying is trustworthy. That is, it's a faithful saying. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him... He will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Well, this first half of this, again, affirms the reality of Christ appearing, Christ dying, Christ being raised from the dead. And if we profess him and believe in, in him, then we will reign with him as he puts all things under his feet. However, if we do not confess this, if we fall away from this confession of uh, the truth, if we do not see him as the one who we should uh, adore and the one uh, who should be worshipped by us, if we do not confess the reality of his incarnation and his substitutionary death, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Faith has this cognitive element to it that is contained in these confessions of faith, and God will certainly be faithful to himself, to his own revealed truth. He will not receive someone to himself that does not accept his revealed truth, embrace it, and seek to live in accordance with it, because God cannot deny himself. We see also in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, this same reality of the incarnation, uh, and the, the death of Christ and his triumph over all things, where the apostle there says, so let this, uh, each of you 
look, uh, ha, excuse me, <clears throat> have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Then the same emphases we find in the confession of faith that is uh, implied and that certain portions of it are quoted in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. And Paul uses this confession of faith then to argue a, a case against those who doubted that there was a resurrection from the dead. So in this confession, the apostle says that <clears throat> I delivered to you of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And then Paul goes into an exposition of this, showing that certainly Christ has been raised because of all the, all the people to whom he appeared uh, and because of the theological issues that are at stake uh, in the resurrection. And then he begins again, picks up on the confession, after he has said that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Verse 20, The firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man also has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. So again, we see that pattern in this confession of faith. Well, we'll look at some of the other reasons that we should value these confessions of faith in our next session. Thank you for joining me for this edition of The Doctrinal Component.